Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Someone's been pissing on the campfire. It's high noon for Wednesday, August 12th, 2020. And the campaign has begun. Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris to be his running mate, or perhaps Joe Biden's team picked Kamala Harris to be the president when Joe Biden dies or is removed from his role with the 25th Amendment because he can't think in complete sentences. Uh, Kamala Harris is one of the worst politicians in the country. And the reason I say that is because of how utterly soulless she is. She makes Hillary Clinton look sincere and honest. And this has nothing to do with her being a woman. And it is annoying to know that her race and her gender will be used to defend her from legitimate criticisms of which there are countless. That is not a good place for society to be in. And it is exactly the reason that she was chosen. It makes it so that any criticism can be invalidated or too dangerous to say because the culture will paint you as a racist or sexist for saying it. That is not an America I want to live in. And that is the America that I am trying in my own small way to end. I do not want that. It is bad. It is bad that someone was chosen to potentially be the next president of the United States because of her race and her gender. It is racist. It is sexist. It is immoral. And it is totally irresponsible. Now, about Kamala Harris in particular, 
She got her start in politics while she was dating the former mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown. At the time, he was the Democratic Speaker of the California State Assembly, and he gave her a job on the California Medical Assistance Commission. She served on that for a while. He gave her another job, and then he gave her another job, each one increasingly paying more. None of them were jobs that she had prior qualifications for. And this is how she has proceeded throughout her career. She was 29 when she began dating Willie Brown. He was 60. Kamala Harris's political career is about her own personal ambition and advancement, and she will do anything to achieve those ends. Okay? And now there's certainly plenty of male politicians and male public figures who do that. This is not a gender-specific complaint. This is just a fact about who Kamala Harris is. She was attorney general for California, where she participated in locking up all sorts of low-level drug offenders. And then when she was asked if she smoked pot herself, she laughed because of course she has. She refused inmates the ability to appeal their sentences, even though they had evidence showing that they were wrongly imprisoned. She competed in this year's Democratic presidential primary. She had all the possible wind at her back. She was supported by media. She was supported by tech. In fact, Vox Today came out with an article about how her selection was what the tech community wanted and that it would generate tons of cash for the Democratic Party. And Vox, being who they are with no self-awareness and extraordinary bias, was championing this as a good thing. That is not a good thing. There were also articles out yesterday about how she's the champion of Wall Street as well and that Wall Street is over the moon with her selection. Yet she also has the second most progressive voting record in the Senate. Those two things cannot exist together in the same person unless that person is totally corrupt. No one in the world knows what Kamala Harris stands for because she doesn't stand for anything. Her political core is about as legitimate as the way Joe Biden's agenda reflects his, which is to say not at all. We now have a Democratic ticket that has two people who have reversed themselves on positions that one should only hold with deep conviction, okay? And that's the problem with the, the so-called flip-flopping. Uh, if you remember the 2004 election, that's what they hammered John Kerry on. And I thought at the time that that was kind of stupid because, you know, people mature and their positions change, and that's fine. My positions have changed in a big way in the last five years. 
but my positions are not at all attached to my own personal advancement. I did not change them to advance further. I changed them because I thought more about issues. I learned more about issues. I watched the machinations of the political scene and my positions changed. That is fundamentally different than saying whatever you want because that's what people seem to like at the time. And you can watch this within the democratic debates. You don't have to go back and look at Kamala Harris's history. You can look at last year and this year and see the blatant dishonesty. See her change positions. Does anyone know what her, her healthcare position is? Does she want Medicare for all? Sure, if you do. Does she not want Medicare for all? Well, that depends. Do you not want Medicare for all? So she'll come out in favor of every position so that you can't actually say, no, she's not for that because you can just look it up and find an article where she was for it and then prove it to all your friends. Yeah, this is what she's for. This is what she's really for. No, she is not really for anything. She never has been for anything. And if you want deeper proof of that, Last year, on April 19th, or I'm sorry, on April 3rd, 2019, in an article from the Huffington Post entitled, Kamala Harris on Joe Biden Accusers, I Believe Them. So Kamala Harris is all about hashtag believe women, except when it comes to her own personal advancement. And then she is more than happy to run on a ticket with a man that she has publicly called a rapist and a sexual assaulter. In this article, she said, I believe them and I respect them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. She was asked if Biden should still run for president and she said, He's going to have to make that decision for himself. I wouldn't tell him what to do. So bold. So bold. So she gets to make all the hashtag believe women, hashtag me too, religious zealots think that she's on their side while simultaneously not being willing to say, yes, I think that these accusations disqualify him from leading the country. Do you imagine she had any problem saying that about Donald Trump? I'm sure that you can do a simple Google search and find all sorts of instances where she mocked and derided Donald Trump for the very same things that she is now going to have to defend for Joe Biden. And of course, she'll have no problem doing that. Because she's a degenerate, amoral liar. She also, in the debates last year, made a point about bringing up Joe Biden's position on busing from the 1970s, sharing a story that she may very well have made up 
about that issue personally affecting her. As if she was this poor child when she was raised. She was not. Her parents were both rich and both successful and both extremely liberal. But Kamala Harris had absolutely no problem on stage implying that Joe Biden was a washed up old racist. And of course, she wouldn't say that because first she said, now, I am not saying that you are a racist, but, and then she goes on a rant about busing. That is exactly the way I describe the word problematic. I think I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but everybody likes to use the, the woke people like to use the word uh, problematic now. And what they mean when they say that is I'm going to paint you as a racist or sexist or homophobe or transphobe or Islamophobe or whatever other phobe or bigot I can paint you as. But I'm not going to come out and directly say it because then I wouldn't want to have to actually defend my claim that you are a racist. So I'm just going to imply it by using a word that everyone on my team knows means racist, rapist homophobe, bigot. That is soulless. It is dishonest. It is immoral. It is indecent. It is un-American. She has said that she is open to adding justices to the Supreme Court, which would give her the ability to pack out the Supreme Court with her nominees. People can complain that Donald Trump is trying to put his nominees into the Supreme Court, but he's not changing the fucking number of it, of justices. He's just doing what presidents are supposed to do, which is nominate people to the Supreme Court, and then the Senate is supposed to confirm them, assuming that they don't have legitimate reasons why they should not be confirmed. Kamala Harris was one of the main and most dishonest interrogators of Justice Kavanaugh during his hearings, because, of course, they made up the story about how Justice Kavanaugh was a uh, sexual assaulter in high school. They have no proof of that, none whatsoever. And by the way, if you still believe that Justice Kavanaugh is a racist and misog- or a rapist and misogynist, you really need to go ahead and research that whole case again. And if at that point you find that you still think he is and you're still considering voting for Joe Biden, then you have a real inconsistency there. There is no proof whatsoever that Justice Kavanaugh did any of the things he was accused of doing. And the fact that he likes beer and may have liked beer in high school is not proof of sexual assault. Nor is Christine Blasey Ford's testimony. She did not remember where the party was. She did not remember who was there. The people who she said would be 
fact and character witnesses for her, did not back her up. Her own father did not believe the story. But the Democrats trotted her out and tried to slander and defame a man so that they could prevent him from joining the Supreme Court. Again, this is immoral. It is indecent. It is dishonest. It is anti-American. It is perfectly legitimate to want to interrogate a Supreme Court justice nominee for their actual beliefs so that people can know what sort of justice they might be and what would be guiding their decisions. But the primary responsibility for that goes to the president who selects them. I'm not saying the the Senate has to be a rubber stamp, but the Senate's job is to approve justices. And that was true back in the Merrick Garland situation that McConnell blocked. It is not my opinion that that was fairly done. And Kamala Harris embarrassed herself in that hearing. She repeatedly asked Justice Kavanaugh whether or not he had ever had a conversation with an attorney at a specific law firm. And he was like, I don't know. Who are you talking about? And she's like, I'm talking about attorneys at this law firm. Did you have any conversation about XYZ with attorneys at this law firm? And he's like, I I don't know. It's entirely possible that he had conversations with attorneys who may or may not have worked at that law firm. But to not say who the person is and cite any proof that they did in fact have a meeting, the point kind of falls flat on its face. And what she's doing is creating a guilt by association. And she never did actually state who the lawyer was. She was fine to put out this smear that is nothing more than a conspiracy theory if she can't even make the accusation. If you're going to make the accusation, make it. Fine. And then let the guy answer. And then if you think he's lying, you can interrogate that answer further. And the media, if they were doing their job, would try to find the answer to that. But to not say who it is you're implying he had this conversation with, again, it's just totally dishonest. And so a lot of the media now is, is talking about how much they are looking forward to seeing her debate Mike Pence. There is no reasonable justification to believe that she will handily defeat Mike Pence in debate. She wasn't even able to hammer that point home with Joe Biden. And then if you go back and watch her her back and forth with Tulsi Gabbard, you can see Tulsi Gabbard hand Kamala Harris her ass on a plate. She made Kamala Harris look ridiculous because Kamala Harris is ridiculous. Tulsi Gabbard made a substantive argument 
about exactly what I'm talking about. Kamala Harris's record. And Kamala Harris had no response other than to try to uh, paint Tulsi Gabbard as a as an asset of foreign nations and as anti-American in her role as, as a congresswoman. She has no defense on the issues. She never has any defense on the issues. And that is why we will see her use race and sex constantly to defend herself. And the media propping up this narrative about how uh, Pence and Harris is the real matchup is only there to take attention away from how utterly embarrassing it will be for them to have Joe Biden on a debate stage with Donald Trump. And so the race and sex thing is going to come in, obviously, uh, it's going to be really important because the meme war has begun in earnest. And I don't think people totally understand the meme war. Maybe you do, and I'm just being pedantic. But I look at the meme war as a real powerful tool and weapon because because the thing about memes is that they can lock in narratives in a way that passing around articles just can't, all right? The, the best memes are funny and are true on an important level. Maybe not on every level. Maybe they skew the facts. Maybe they're biased. Maybe they're overboard. But they lock in narratives into people's minds. They are little brain worms, and those brain worms will work their way through. And Kamala Harris is going to get destroyed by this. Because the Trump side has all the weapons in the, in the meme war. The most important of which being they are funny. The left is not funny. Not anymore. Not at all. Sarah Cooper the dummy who makes bad faces while she lip syncs Donald Trump quotes is getting a Netflix comedy special. Why? She doesn't do anything funny. You may get a chuckle out of her videos if you dislike Donald Trump and that's fine. But all she does is repeat the things he's saying and make stupid faces that are awful to look at. That's not funny. It's not comedy. It's the most hack bullshit ever. Crosby might have made a, a brief appearance there, so I had to pause. Uh, but the meme war. The left is not funny, okay? The left goes for what is now called clapter, which is their jokes reaffirming the audience's political biases and political points of view to make them feel like they're the good ones and the smart ones. And this is what the left has relied on for two decades. The Daily Show is what first made this a thing. And that brand of comedy has become widespread now. I mean, you think about like Amy Schumer or Hannah fucking Gadsby, for Christ's sake. That special Nanette was the least funny thing in the world. 
She also got her history fantastically wrong. She says she's like an art history major and, uh, and imagined that women have always been exploited in art and just look at Renaissance artwork as if the fucking Renaissance was when art started. In ancient Greece, they believed that the naked young male body was the picture of perfect attractiveness. And there are statues thousands and thousands of years old that prove this. But who cares about the facts, right? She said she was an art history major. And then she made a point that made you feel good. So it's very powerful and funny. Now that's fucking dumb. And the method for these people has always been to try to use humor to delegitimize their opposition. That's why The Daily Show used to always selectively take clips of Fox News and make fun of them. So that not only were they making fun of the stuff that actually deserved to be made fun of about Fox News, but they created in the minds of their viewership the idea that everything on Fox News is illegitimate. That stupid people watch Fox News. That is not healthy. It is especially not healthy years down the line where we have seen the left wing media do everything that Fox News used to do even harder. I think everyone should be nervous about candidates being chosen on the base of their race and their gender. Okay. The democratic party has built a coalition out of minority ethnicities, women, the LGBT community and non-Christian religions and non-Jewish religions. That is, is crazy because people inside ethnic groups and inside gender groups, any of these classes that you can choose, they do not all have the same beliefs and the same motivations and the same desires. And so building a coalition about and around identity makes it impossible to have a clear, coherent, consistent governing philosophy. And we're seeing that play out because while Kamala Harris has the second most progressive voting record in the Senate, progressives utterly hate her like the socialists and the real left wingers. They hate her because she's awful. Kamala Harris was picked for the people who are the most privileged in the left-wing coalition. All of the old guard institutions who love Kamala Harris and the middle to upper class white people who are so bored and privileged that they can pretend race and sex are the biggest issues in the world. And they can be wrong because it doesn't matter to them. Their lives are fine either way. 
I'm talking about people who literally weren't affected by COVID. You can see them in your social media feeds. They are always on vacation. They are at beautiful places, sunning themselves, taking Instagram pictures. They are not worried about whether or not their jobs are coming back. They are not worried about whether or not the science community got the entire disease wrong, which they did. They are not worried about the Democratic Party exploiting this situation for political and financial gain. They don't care. They don't care because it doesn't matter ever if they're wrong. There are no stakes on these people's ideas or behaviors because they have enough money to not care. They have enough comfort to not care. And very rarely is that level of comfort one they provided for themselves. Because people who provide themselves that level of comfort are still working to continue it. This isn't a hard concept, but it seems to be one that people don't understand or don't come to terms with. And I just wrote last night about uh, universal mail-in balloting, and that's going to be part of the Controlled Demolition podcast. I may do a separate thing just to read parts of that because I do think it's really important that that is fully explained to everyone. But for now, uh, I want to say, as I was thinking about all this, you know, they're saying that the mail-in voting is a necessity because of COVID. Now, it's certainly not. And even Dr. Fauci says that if you can socially distance well enough to run errands, then you can socially distance well enough to vote. And of course, that's obviously true. And so without the factor of the health risk to older people who might want to go vote, then why are the Democrats pushing it so hard? There are two reasons. One, of course, is election fraud, which everyone should be concerned about. And the other is that this may be a potential backfire for them on how much fear they created over COVID. They may well have scared people into staying in their homes and not going to vote. That's pathetic. And if that's correct, hey, Crosby. All right, buddy, that's enough. If that's correct, then this is just one more example of the astounding incompetence of the Democratic Party. I think after I do the controlled demolition episode, I, I don't, I genuinely don't believe that it will be possible for anyone to look at this situation and not understand the machinations of the Democratic Party and what it is they have tried to accomplish and tried to do and the damage that they have caused in attempting to do it. Something that got very little notice. Uh, but happened the other night was the FBI announced on Twitter that they would that they will award up to ten million dollars for any information leading them to foreign election interference, and I imagine in some way that would also extend to domestic election interference 
if those are connected. And this is not something that an FBI that serves under William Barr, who serves under Donald Trump, would put in place if Donald Trump was the one worried about election interference. Everyone should be proud of the FBI doing that because what they are doing is specifically designed to protect the sanctity of the vote in the upcoming election. And that is excellent. I want to know that the election was fair and you should too. No matter what the result is, I want to know that that election was fair. This is similar to the Epstein thing. People see these big things potentially coming out and they think that they're all going to take down Trump or that Trump is the bad guy. It's fucking insane. It's like, it's like there's no comprehension whatsoever that there is a real world that your narrative might not be representing. If they think that Donald Trump is in danger from these different things, they're absolutely crazy. They are trying to change the method of voting within three months before an election. And I'm supposed to believe that they think Joe Biden is up by 10? No fucking way. Does the real world matter at all? Does anyone know how humans act? Has anyone been around a human? Anyone in the media? Have they ever been around a human who wasn't educated at their same school? And employed by the same people? And hired by the same network of people. They are little clones of one another. Just little millennial bloggers. Throwing out different narratives all the time. None of them are coherent. None of them make sense. None of them are well-founded. They are always on anonymous sources. They are always about that particular blogger's estimation of Donald Trump's psychological state. What? Maggie Haberman is the New York Times White House correspondent. Okay. That used to be a prestigious position. But she is a gossip blogger. That is all. Her work is no different than Perez Hilton's but she's covering something that's actually serious and not covering what some dumb celebrity did yesterday. It is treated the same. It is embarrassing. It's shameful. It's a fucking disgrace. Like she'll pump out these narratives and say, yes, but everybody knows Donald Trump actually thinks this and this and this. No, you don't fucking know that. These people don't seem to have even the slightest understanding that they may be wrong. 
every single thing you can possibly bring up and tell them, they will say is right wing, racist, sexist, homophobic, or if they can't paint them as any of those, they'll say it's a conspiracy theory believed by racists, sexists, homophobes, violent right wingers. You cannot judge the substance of a view based on the people who agree with that view. That makes no fucking sense. And it's funny, the entire media and most people still do not even understand what QAnon is, even though they talk about it all the time. So I'm going to explain this to you because knowing what QAnon is, is not the same as being a QAnon follower. And it's certainly not the same as being a conspiracy theorist. Q is a character, could be a psyop, could be someone's funny experiment in their basement. And if so, that is the greatest storyteller the world has ever seen. But Q is believed to be someone with military background near Donald Trump who knows everything that's going on in terms of the Russiagate stuff, the John Durham investigation, and everything else that could bring down the last two prior Democratic administrations, the Obamas, the Clintons, and everyone closely attached to them who was involved in these situations. For instance, obviously Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Susan Rice, etc., were involved in the Russiagate thing. But Obama was also president, and Bob Mueller was the director of the FBI. When the FBI chose to cover up elements of the Jeffrey Epstein story, and prevent them from going to court. We cannot pretend these are not problems just because we all thought Obama was a nice guy. I thought he was a nice guy. I voted for him twice. I would have voted for him a third time probably. But at some point, you have to hold your principles, your priorities, and what you want for the country, the kind of society that you want to live in. You have to hold that above who the political characters were and above defending your ego. We are all wrong at times. It is fine to have been wrong. It is not fine to know you were wrong and still be wrong. And I didn't get to everything I wanted to get to today. I'll do it tomorrow. The same reasonable time, the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network You should listen to more Hopes Fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at I'mYourModerator.com or use the hashtag HeyModerator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. 
Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!